Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. What you're about to experience is a free, worldwide interactive broadcast from Ontario, Canada. We broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Get your questions in. Join the community chat room at www.category5.tv or email us at live at category5.tv. And now, let's begin. Here's your host, Robbie Ferguson. It is Tuesday, November the 8th. I'd go with eight. 2011. 2011. Yeah. Welcome to the show. This is episode number 216. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Eric Kidd. And here's what's coming up in the newsroom. A sophisticated virus has exploited a previously unknown issue in Microsoft Windows. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is out. And Google Plus pages are now available. And a Canadian study reveals that automated identity theft is a reality on Facebook. So stick around. These stories and others are coming up later in the show. Sounds like interesting bits of news. I indeed it, it will be. Automated identity theft. I don't like the sounds of that. <laughs> we have a uh, very special guest. Uh, Aaron Farrigan is joining us from Asigra tonight. We're going to be talking about cloud backups and all the stuff that, uh, that surrounds the cloud and uh, backing up your data to the cloud. I've got lots of questions for Aaron. Uh, I'm sure you've got some as well. If you've ever wondered, you know, what is this cloud? What is it that, uh, what can it do for me? Uh, stick around. We're going to be talking to him in just about two minutes. In the meantime, I want to mention that uh, we do have our mobile site. I'll encourage you to scan that code. That code will actually launch the mobile site on your device. And uh, you can also visit mobile.cat5.tv. You can watch the show live if you've got an iPhone uh, 4, if you've got a, an iPod Touch. Uh, and some other devices will support the live broadcasting through the uh, through the mobile site. But also, you can watch shows after the fact. If you want to head over there on your mobile, mobile.cat5.tv. <laughs> Eric, how have you been? I have been well. Yeah? I've been doing all right. Yeah. I'm still walking and talking and sucking air, so i got nothing to complain about. <laughs> That's all you need. All you yes, need. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And uh, you keep them busy? I want to talk to you tonight about, like, Uh gigging and stuff. I was thinking about how, like, because I I don't get to see Eric play as much as I'd like. I send out a little tweet and say, hey, I'm playing down at this little pub or that little pub. But he usually does it five minutes before. Oh, I'm all hunkered down. I'm sitting on the couch. I've got a bottle of, you know, whatever. Pop. And, and, you know, I'm I'm sitting with my sweetie and watching a movie. (laughs) That's what happens. Fine. Okay. He waits until 9 o'clock on a Friday (laughs) night, and then he tweets, I'm jamming down at such and such a place. And I'm like, oh, I wish I knew. We need to get you set up with like a Google Calendar or something like that. So Spontaneity that isn't working for you, huh? It, it could, <laughs> but not in a case where it's a Friday night at 9 o'clock and, and you're gigging. And yeah. I want to come see you. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll stand there and do the harmonies for you or something like that. Okay. So that'll be a lot of right. fun. Bring down your tin whistle. <laughs> there you go. Bring my low D. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. We'll add some uh, Celtic flair. Uh, tonight we are joined by Aaron Farajan. Aaron, it is just uh, fantastic to have you joining us tonight. And uh, Aaron joins us from Asigra down in Toronto. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. Thanks a lot, Robbie. Yeah, could you uh, just tell us a little bit about what Asigra is? Uh, for those, uh, just imagine that uh, the viewers have not ever heard of your company. Uh, what is it that you do? Sure. Seagra's uh, been in business 26 years, always in the same uh, industry vertical market segment. It's it's basically a software company. It makes backup and recovery software that's specifically designed uh, to enable cloud backup and recovery services. So we work with 
hundreds and hundreds of service providers all over the world, and right. there are hundreds of thousands of customers and end users, millions of them all over the world that back up to many different clouds all over the world in different countries on every continent. Now, you say well, 26 years, that. 26 yeah. years, but the cloud was not, as far as I understand, uh, kind of out there uh, 26 years ago. So wh- how did you get your start, and, and what, what kind of... You would have seen the cloud in its very, very early form, I'm sure. Right, right. You know what? It wasn't called the cloud many, many years ago. I think cloud is uh, in the last two, three years. It's it's a um, you know a word or a name that's been associated with. A long time ago, it was called televaulting or electronic vaulting. Okay. Or mm-hmm. and and service providers or cloud service providers, as they're called today, used to be called. Get ready for the old world word service bureaus. Service very, bureaus. You know, 1970s, 1980s word. So. Yeah, that's what they were called, and uh, but it was literally doing what's you know what's happening today: moving data, protecting it from where the data is kept off-site Very to cool. a more secure location. Very good, Aaron. Uh, Eric is going to kind of keep an eye on the chat room here for you, and right. uh, if if viewers have a question for Aaron uh, about the cloud, about cloud backups, feel free to uh, to relay those to uh, Eric Kidd in the chat room, and uh, right. he'll do his best to get those on. Um, what, how would you define the cloud? Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, people just, it, it's hard to grasp when we're used to our own computer storing our data. Our uh, our laptop would be where our photos are. Our desktop computer has its own set of files. Maybe we back up. But then all of a sudden, like you say, about three years ago, this word, the cloud, popped out. And uh, how does that relate to an end user? And, and even, I find, in the industry, you're finding that uh, I'm sure you, you've it just seems that there's a little bit of almost a hesitation when it comes to the cloud because people have this fear of, well, where are my files? So as somebody in the industry, I, I would love to hear from you uh, firsthand as to what what like, the cloud is. Like where are they and how secure yeah. are they? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's a couple of questions there. I'll try to tackle them uh, one by one, maybe go backwards. How secure are they? I think they're as secure as the underlying technologies, the infrastructure that makes them. So there are clouds that are more, and there are clouds that are less secure. It really depends on the, you know, again, the infrastructure, and and honestly, the folks that manage them, mm. uh, you know, behind the curtains, the wizards behind the curtains. Um, another one of your questions: What is the cloud? It's basically computing resources that are remote to you, so that you don't have to buy them and own them. You just get to use them, and you use them through, you know, the internet connection that you're used to at home. Um, right. And you can, you know, store your data up there. You can leverage various types of applications. If you're, you know, if the the audience has a smartphone, they're looking at apps and running the apps and working with them, and they're in a quote unquote cloud. Mm-hmm. Happens to be, you know, either the Android cloud or the Apple cloud or whatever. But it's basically compute resources far away from you remotely, and it's called the cloud. I think because it's a way to make things simple. You don't really need to know how everything is working necessarily in the background, or you may not want to know. Yeah. So how does this work that keeps things sometimes opaque? Um, but not knowing you know, what's going on behind the scenes is not always the best. You, you sometimes do want to know if you are running important applications. Um, you, you, you want your cloud provider to tell you, hey, what's going on behind the curtain? And do you find that, uh, that basically the companies uh, in Canada are as well versed at uh, what the cloud is and uh, as say in in America or other parts of the world 
Yeah, so I think from a cloud provider perspective, we've got very sophisticated cloud service providers in Canada. Mm-hmm. I think from the, the audience or the consumers, and, and when I say consumers, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, an individual person. It could be small, medium businesses, medium and large businesses as well. It's those leveraging cloud technologies. I think Canadians are more, uh, they're, they're, they use the cloud for very unique, distinct things that are easy to do and adopt. They, they're they reluctant to go kind of all in the cloud, you know, very few and far in between. It's tough to make generalizations, you know, and you're always careful when you do so. But I think, in you know, with Americans, you see a lot more of them are more inclined to kind of, you know, I'm all in the cloud, I'm gonna do everything through the cloud, or as much as I can. Whereas Canadians are like, this is still fairly new, it's only one, two, three years old for me. I'm gonna try to do, um, you know, specific things like backup or like my, my CRM or contact management, or I'm going to do you know cloud email through Gmail or Hotmail or whatever. Yeah. Um, so so and then when they like it and they adopt it and they start to see that they get comfortable with it, then they do another thing and another thing, and then you know over time they get more and more used to it. But they're not like all in. Americans tend to be like, wow, this is cool. I'm going all in. Oh really? So, yeah, that's what I think the difference is. They're more, uh, you know, I think Canadians are maybe more prudent about it. They want to get more comfort mm-hmm. levels. So. That's what we we're say. a very cautious people. Yeah. I think we're a very cautious people. I think a lot of people's first step, <laughs> first step into that would be something like the Hotmail type. Yeah, perhaps they, or, like or you the, say, Gmail. Yeah, um, I had mentioned even earlier in the, the show calendar. about using Google yeah. Calendar, at, which is kind of a form of a, a rudimentary cloud from the consumer standpoint. Obviously, it is quite a bit part of the cloud. But uh, what what would drive a company, Aaron, to to say it's critical that we get our data into the cloud. We perhaps already have a, an on-site backup. Uh, maybe we already have uh, some form of SFTP or R-Sync backup that goes off-site. So what drives us to need to put our data into the cloud? Right. Well, you know, there's a couple of different, um, you know, drivers. And some of them are, I've, I've already got, there's very few, as we call, backup virgins out there, if I can use that phrase, like mm-hmm. people that don't have any kind of, even if, even if it's just a simple USB drive that they copy their data to, at least they've got some kind of copy. So there's very few people, I don't think I've ever met anybody that doesn't have any kind of backup in any way. So what happens is eventually they run along and they have a data loss event or they're not able to restore data that they thought they could or something. And that kind of triggers this, well, what's a better way of doing this? And then they go and they research mm-hmm. and then they find out that they don't have to buy the technology. They, uh, they don't have to be owners of technology. They, they can just be users of technology. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there, you know, there's geniuses out there that are managing the back end for them. They're making it very easy for them to, to send their data consistently, securely. And they can kind of you know, put the, the burden or the responsibility onto a service that they know will always be up will always be able to recover the data for them if right. they need it. They don't have to worry about it as much. It's so just, I'm getting the sense, like, does it have also to do with sharing resources with other users? Is that part of what the cloud represents? Yeah, it's multi-tenancy. So when you buy, you know, your own resources and you own the technology, mm. you've got to consume the cost of all that technology on your own. When you're leveraging a cloud service, it's, it's what's called multi-tenanted. It's like a hotel. Everybody's in one building, but everybody's got their own room. And so you get to syndicate the cost of all that technology across many users, and everybody pays a finite portion, but it's still secure. You know, one guy can't see anybody else's data and that kind of stuff. Right. So it's lower cost. Okay. Very cool. Now, a couple of folks are kind of concerned, you know, 
on i don't know how your service provider is but you know every once in a while i can't get on the internet and i need my data what do i do right so that's why a prudent data a cloud backup solution doesn't only depend on the cloud it's really you know sometimes it's called a hybrid cloud where you've got some of your data locally on your site because even if your cloud backup service provider you know is running a cray in the back end and everything is wonderful and it's all super computer and all that business it could just be some guy in the wrong backhoe and he takes out the internet and you're done so some you know the prudent thing to do is to keep a couple of versions or a couple of generations of your data locally on your site and obviously that same data offsite but you keep a lot of your older stuff offsite as well so in the event you do get disconnected from the internet and you do lose some data locally, you're able to recover the last one, two, three, or something like that generations, or maybe the last two, three weeks. Mm. You know, the studies in the industry are kind of like more than 80, 85% of the time when users want to restore data, it's typically data that's less than or up to 72 hours old, like they created today, yesterday. Right. Yeah. Accidentally deleted a file or something like that. Exactly. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's the fat finger syndrome. You know, I, I clicked the wrong thing. And, yeah. <laughs> Or a hard drive crashed and yeah, it's I suppose uh, now I'm I'm a firm believer in in redundancy, Aaron, and and having my data in more than one place. And I think uh, our viewers get that from the show and understand that you know we want to have data not just on our computer. So if a hard drive crashes, I have a local copy, but then I also oh. have that offsite or cloud copy of my data because what happens if Okay, if I have we, a hard we've drive We've seen crash. the tears at the data recovery lab when people yeah. come in with, these oh, are the, on, this is the only copy I have of all my family photos, all my, you know, my yeah. wedding pictures. And, you know, you really do want to have. So if we have that local copy, then if internet goes yeah. down, we still have access to it. Yeah. But then if we have a fire or some kind of natural disaster, nice to have that backup that's offsite. Um, so is the, right. cloud, is the cloud really all about backups? You know what? It's not all about backups. Backup is one of the top one or two kind of use cases of cloud or remote computing resources, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cloud. It's, it's like the top one or two use cases, storage and, 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 and backup into the cloud because it's so simple and it's so cost effective and it's something that you got to do anyway. It's kind of like the poor man's DR. You know, a real DR solution, you're going to have all the different binders about who does what on what day in the event we have a data loss event, but at least having a copy of your data. So it's not, it's, and then having a copy is kind of the first step. The other step is you got to be able to recover it within, you know, what's called a recovery point and a recovery right. time objective. So even if I've got all my data, it's in the cloud and I lose my files and geez, you know, it's going to take me now three weeks to get access to my files. Ouch, yeah. that, that, that might not be, you know... While I've got a copy, it might not be, you know, uh, acceptable to me to wait three weeks to get it. So it, it's got to be within like a recovery, a reasonable recovery time objective that I can mm-hmm. restore data, right? It's, it's not enough just to have a copy offsite. Right. Aaron, that kind of makes me think about uh, selecting the, the company that I would want to host my cloud because it's not just the cloud. There are many right. different companies that are, that are providing this service. Um, so... Speaking right. of that, you need to know that the company is accessible, I would assume. I mean, you've got to be able to get your files if, if there's a crash, like you're saying. But h- how would you suggest that our viewers go about um, finding and selecting um, a, a company to, to host their cloud information? Right, right. So I think, you know, there's a couple of things they need to look into. I think that one of the main ones is to look for a cloud service provider 
that has, uh, if you're a business, it's it's got segment specialization. So it understands your business. It's going to show you references. And, you know, if you're a medical uh, or a healthcare related business, it'll say, here, look, these are my 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,000, whatever other companies like yours in your industry segment that I do business with. And you can call them up and hear the references. So you want to know work with somebody that they kind of understand your business. Right. I think the second thing is you want to make sure that your service provider doesn't doesn't uh, you know create some kind of lock-in for you because if you don't like them, think of your cloud backup service provider almost like a bank. If you know we're we're all in Canada here. If I don't like the Royal Bank of Canada, that's my bank. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go to them and I can say, "Okay, wire my money to TD or wire my money to another bank or to whoever." Yeah. And if I don't like any if I don't like any bank, guess what? I get to go down the street with my wheelbarrow, take all my money out and put it underneath my mattress. So, you got to look out for somebody that doesn't get cloud lock-in. Mm-hmm. It allows what's called data portability or data mobility. Another analogy we use to explain that is if your cell phone, uh, you got a number and if you don't like your cell phone provider, you can keep your number but go to another network provider. So, my point is is that these are something like an, an off-ramp. You know, there's a, they all make it very easy to get onto their cloud. You got to think about how easy it for me to change my cloud to another cloud if I don't like you, if I don't wow. like your services, if I don't like your pricing. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. So that's other things to consider. And then you want to look for somebody you know that's got credibility, references. You know, they're secure. They've got some third-party certificate around security. It's not just they say it's secure, but <laughs> somebody's actually audited them and. Mm-hmm. You know, and and said, "Wow, you guys have implemented cloud security correctly, and it can't be defeated." Mm. Um, well, everybody's got encryption. The question is, have they implemented encryption correctly? So there's lots of locks right. on lots of doors, but have those locks actually been installed by a qualified locksmith, or have they just been somebody that went down to Home Depot and just installed it with four screws, and it's easy to defeat? <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that your users should be looking for: security. You know, uh, uh, segment specialization or familiarity with your business type and your requirements, your industry. You might have compliance requirements that are special to your business, and also some kind of you know not only an on ramp. They're going to talk all about that, but also yeah. an off ramp. That's those are kind of important things to think about. Okay, we are speaking with Aaron Farajan from Asigra. Uh, in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, I'd invite you to get your questions into the chat room, Category5.tv. It's Category5 on Freenode, and we will be right back with with Aaron and some questions right after this. Whether hitting the road or the dusty trails, Liquid Image Canada captures the action with a true point-of-view HD video camera built directly into a high-quality MX goggle. It records every bit of the excitement exactly how you see it. If high octane isn't your thing, take a relaxing underwater adventure and capture it forever in high definition video with a high quality underwater camera mask from Liquid Image Canada. Perfect for the enthusiast snorkeler or the deep sea diver. Check out the entire line of camera masks for every sport. LiquidImageCanada.com This is Category 5 Technology TV and you'll find us online www.category5.tv uh, this uh, this evening we're talking to Aaron Fergen from Asigra, uh, which is a backup software developer from Toronto, Ontario. And uh, Aaron, it is uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks. Thanks again. Cheers. And now uh, Eric was just mentioning that uh, you had some questions in the chat room, and uh, some of the, a lot of them surround different uh, available options. And while I don't necessarily want to get directly into specifics. Uh, unless that's you know, unless there there are some suggestions that you have, Aaron, uh, I, I'd like to know a little bit about. Now we talked about how you could go about selecting, but how does your software relate to this cloud, and and 
are, are there resources, for example, that we can use to find uh, these particular trusted, secure service providers that, uh, that you as the developer would recommend? Right, right. So, I mean, there are many good service providers, um, you know, and by all means, I didn't, you know, I don't only want to talk about and say that, uh, you know, only a C-Group powered service providers are only the good sure. ones. There's lots, right? I mean, mm -hmm. but if you're looking for one that's specifically powered by a C-Group, you go to Google and you type in, you know, powered by a C-Group service provider and you'll see, you know, lots of them. We have many, many partners all over the world on every continent and pretty much wherever there's a stock exchange, there are lots of secret service providers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your, your last question was, what's another good thing to look for? It's also a good thing to look for a service provider that may be local within your, you know, within your jurisdiction. There are many businesses that require their data to stay within their jurisdiction. They can't back up their data or have right. any of it stored in another, you know, jurisdiction what's called data sovereignty challenges. So, Interesting. You know, you know, you might you might look at a service provider. They might look really great and offer a wonderful service, and that might be wonderful. But guess what? They don't have you know a cloud or, or, or infrastructure in your right. jurisdiction. It, are there geographical limitations to that? Like I was thinking about how here in Canada we have very specific privacy laws that are very strict as far as uh, the storage of customer data. And so it makes me think, you know, if I were to host my cloud in the States, am I less secure than if I were hosting it here in Canada based on those laws? So when you're saying what you were just saying, I, I, it makes me wonder if there are geographical uh, borders to, uh, to our, our basically the security of our, of our cloud. Right. You know what? I, I don't know that it would be less secure, you know, because the data would be fully encrypted and, okay. um, you know, that service provider in the United States might have awesome security and there are some there that are, you know, have wonderful security. I think it's more about, it's not that you're less secure, you might be breaching some local Canadian. Yeah, like what are the local rules? Laws. Right. Yeah, right. and that may be something Eric brings up a, a good point, Aaron, and I wonder if there are, and you may know the answer to this, but are there geographic rules that say that I cannot host my backups in Europe, for example. Is that anything that, that you know about or is there a resource? Or That's yeah, probably yeah, something that we could Google, obviously. Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, I, the first thing is I'm not going to kind of dispense legal advice here, but I think there are yeah. specific laws in Canada that the Canadian government doesn't want you to put Canadian consumer information. You know, like we have what's called PIPEDA, which, you know, protects uh, personal information in Canada. Mm -hmm. And they don't want you to take Canadians and their credit cards and store them in different jurisdictions. Or they don't really want your doctor to take your medical records and store them in some other jurisdiction where some other government can kind of begin to affect it with their laws. They really mm -hmm. want you to put it in Canada because you're a Canadian citizen. So there absolutely are rules and regulations about which kind of data has to be kept in Canada. Um, you know, if it's related to consumers and citizens of this country. If right. you're a business, you can, you know, for the most part, um, you know, keep your own information where you like as mm -hmm. long as it's not consumers' information. Where and, of course, there could be local laws Right. I uh, mean, if you store well. it in another country, so, um, can that government decide, hey, we own this now? <laughs> you know? That's a scary thought. You know, like, well, what, what are the... <laughs> There are, and, and, and our friend and our friends down in the United States. I mean, if you store some data down in the United States, Americans have what's called uh, you know the Patriot Act, and the Patriot Act came you know shortly after nine eleven or around that time, and mm -hmm. that basically allows the U.S. government to kind of go in there and say, hey, this data is stored on American soil. We want to look at it for national security reasons or sure. whatever else they could come right. up with. So. You know, that kind of stuff. Which on the outside seems, okay, that's reasonable. It makes, it makes sense, yeah. And yet, <laughs> you know, there's, it, 
it brings up all think, kinds of yeah, other questions could that we probably aren't going to address here today. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how does a SIGRA come into uh, the cloud and how, like, basically, you're, you're here joining us tonight. You're sharing some fantastic information. And sure. uh, so I need to ask, what, what is it that, is, that basically our viewers would, uh, would do to uh, look into a SIGRA to, uh, is, you mentioned about, um, are they a SIGRA partners or uh, hosting providers that use your software? That's right. It would be if so. If you were looking out for a, a cloud backup service, yeah, uh, you would end up you know working with a Segra or touching a Segra's technology. If you ended up backing your data to on a Segra based service provider or a service provider that's powered by a Segra, and you know these could be telecoms, hosting providers, you know your local friendly neighborhood IT shop uh, right. might be delivering a cloud backup service that's powered by a Segra and. You know, you wouldn't be engaging directly with a Segra. You would be using our software to collect the data from your site, you know, deduplicate it, compress it, encrypt it, and transmit it over to, you know, your friendly neighborhood service provider uh, that's powered by a Segra, so to speak. And that's that's how you would end up touching our technology or engaging with it. And that's everything from your smartphone, Android, or, I, or iOS-based devices, you know, all the way to your laptop or servers or databases or, you know, part of me. System. Part of me really wants to ask very technical questions here, Aaron. I'll be honest. I mean, I want to talk about deduplication. I want to talk about the encryption algorithms that you're using and how your software works. And I'm sure there are viewers who want to know more from a real technical standpoint. Uh, yeah. Where can we get information about uh, your software and how it works, what it can do for us, and basically uh, an overview of why would we look at a Segra software versus the competition? Right. Well, there's loads of information on our website. There's a YouTube channel, um, asigra.com, A-S-I-G-R-A.com. And, uh, and if not, they can just go to our website, you know, type in info, at Asigra, and, you know, we'll engage with them and connect them with somebody that's local to them. Or if they're not really interested in buying a backup service, we'll just have a dialogue with them directly about how our technology works. If they want to try it out, we can, you know, uh, make resources available for them to try it out and, uh, you know, answer their technical questions. Mm. Very good. Well, thank happy you. Very, uh, beg your pardon? We're happy to. Oh. <laughs> See, somebody else asked another quick question. You mentioned Androids right. and iPhones, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, but you didn't mention Windows-powered devices. Oh, Windows-powered oh, devices. We don't, need to, we, don't, we don't need to answer that question, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, supports Windows, Novell, Unix, Linux, no. you know, databases like Oracle, PostgreSQL, MySQL. Um, the cloud know. backup software, will it run on Linux? The backup software will run on Linux, it'll run on Mac, it'll run on Windows, mm -hmm. absolutely. All right. And it'll back all those stuff up, sure. Fantastic. Uh, we'll just give one quick moment here, Aaron, before we let you go. Uh, are there sure. any other questions that uh, have come in in the chat room? Nothing we'll just... that I'm seeing just okay. directly here. Well, we gave, we gave, we gave you a, oh. a fair chance, I think. And if you have more questions, it was info at asigra.com. Uh, you can find them on Twitter. It's at asigra, A-S-I-G-R-A. And uh, they would be no less, uh, no doubt, happy to have you follow them on Twitter. Uh, and it has been uh, really great having you here, Aaron. And thank you for joining us on Category Five tonight. And uh, appreciate all the of the information that you've shared with us and the viewers. My pleasure. Thanks for having me tonight. Cheers. Have a great night. Bye -bye. Take care. Take care.
This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online, www.category5.tv. And uh, I encourage you to check out our website. We've got lots of cool features there. And uh, it would be awesome for you to be a part of our community. So head on over, category5.tv. Cool stuff. That's interesting stuff. I've always uh, yeah. been one for my own kind of personal cloud and, and learning about how we can share those resources across a service provider's system. It just makes sense. It's like how we host our website at a server farm, yeah. to, so to speak. Because by doing that, we're able to keep our costs very, very low with our website because I'm not having to buy a physical server. You don't actually and have physically to farm. Host it. <laughs> I don't have to host it yeah. on a on a backbone yeah. and install a firewall and put some blades in and keep it maintained and all that. Somebody else is doing that for me on behalf of possibly hundreds of other users. So uh, the cloud similarly is going to be able to take those resources and uh, and space them out over multiple users, which is very cool. I know it's half past. It is. It's time for the news. I'm thinking it's time for news. Yeah, take it away. All right, well, here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. Microsoft has announced that hackers have exploited a previously unknown bug in its Windows operating system to infect computers with the Dooku virus, which some security experts say could be the next big cyber threat. News of Dooku surfaced in October when Symantec said it had found a mysterious computer virus that contained codes similar to Stuxnet, a piece of malicious software believed to have wreaked havoc on Iran's nuclear program. Government and private investigators around the world are racing to unlock the secret of Dooku, with early analysis suggesting that it was developed by sophisticated hackers to help lay the groundwork for attacks on critical infrastructures such as power plants, oil refineries, and pipelines. Where's that Pippolini's? <laughs> Semantic researchers believe hackers sent the virus to targeted victims via Microsoft Word email attachments. Semantic researcher Kevin Haley told Reuters that if a recipient opened the Word document and infected the PC, the attacker could take control of the machine and reach into an organization's network to propagate itself and hunt for data. Due to some of the Deku code being the same as Stuxnet, Semantic believes they may be dealing with a sophisticated virus created by some hackers, by the same hackers. The latest installment of the popular Call of Duty video game franchise hit store shelves Tuesday. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, a first-person shooter set in modern times, was released at midnight. It's a direct sequel to the 2009 release Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which took in a record $310 million U.S. in North America and the U.K. alone during the first day of its November release. The newest game picks up where the previous game ends and escalates into World War III, Activision says, touting gameplay innovations and other new features. Can I just interject real quick? You can. I mean, this is really exciting news. And you may. But I know that you would want to do this to me. Oh, heavens no. He said duty. Duty. (laughs) What is this, the family guy? Is this the family guy? (laughs) Call of Duty. Duty. Okay. You want me to pronounce? You can proceed. How would you like me to pronounce? <laughs> when I played Frederick in the Pirates of Penzance, they said, "Stop saying duty. It's not your duty under your indentures. It's duty." duty. With a with a y u g. Well, not duty. Duty. It's not. It's not like, like where or who. It's it's duty. Duty. 
It's got a little bit of a... But duty. I mean, my, my, my four-year-old knows what duty is. I don't think that's in the dictionary. Puts I'm a whole new spin on it, doesn't it? The call, company also announced that it was launching a new social gaming network called Call of Duty Elite <laughs> alongside the game. I love this guy. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is rated M for mature, or I am for immature. If it's on your kid's Christmas list, keep in mind that it has intense violence, blood, and gore, and guts, and... Oh, no, that was... From, Strong language and reference to drugs. Okay, let's move on. Google has added Google Plus pages to let companies easily set up profiles for their brands. The Google Plus social network is still in its infancy, but is borrowing from Facebook's bag of tricks and offering everyone from small businesses to brand owners the chance to set up profiles. Google Plus pages can be added to users' circles, which uh, Google claims can create lasting bonds with the pages. Log in to your Google Plus profile today and see what pages can do for your company. And don't forget to add us to your circles by visiting cat5.tv slash g plus. That's P-L-U-S. A Canadian research study has found that software bots can easily pass as real users on Facebook, allowing them to befriend real humans and mine personal information such as birth dates, addresses, and phone numbers. The researchers found that less than 10% of users exposed their birth dates on their public profile, but over 50% allowed their friends to see it. This information can be used for malicious purposes such as committing identity theft. Matei Ripinu, an associate professor in electrical and computer engineering at the University of British Columbia, who co-authored the paper, said his team has indications that similar automated networks are already at work on social networks such as Facebook. The study featured about 100 Facebook profiles automatically generated by a computer program which managed to befriend over 3,000 real users over eight weeks. The fake profiles were used to collect personal information from about a million users, including friends and friends of friends. The social bots also sent friend requests to random Facebook users who accepted their requests about 20% of the time. Later, the social bots targeted users who had friends in common with them. In those cases, their friend requests were accepted up to 80% of the time. Once we have five friends in common, people don't check anymore whether I am a real person or not, Ripnew said. Oh, wow. That's scary. Actually, I'm a little uh, tougher to say yes to being a friend. On Facebook? You're on Facebook? Yeah. Eric's on Facebook. Okay, everyone, go and ask him to be your friend. He won't say yes. I will not be your friend. (laughs) He won't be anyone's friend. Folks from high school want to be my friend. I I think he's my friend. I didn't like them back in high school. Why would you do it now? He won't even even let me befriend him on Facebook. (laughs) And and I I thought you were good. Uh, Jot wants to know if I'm a real person. Yes, in fact, Jot, I am a real person. But okay, you can get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, email newsroom at category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I am Eric Kidd, and I am a real person. I am not a web bot. Or a friend bot, even. I'm so glad to know that. <laughs> the newsroom tonight is brought to you in part by Pogo Plug, cat5.tv slash Pogo Plug, and Planet Calypso, cat5.tv slash Calypso. 
yeah, the news about Facebook is is kind of frightening because yeah. I tend to I, I had I'm going to be a little more cautious now, but I I wanted to use Facebook as solely a way to reconnect with people from my past. So I have people that are like from grade three, you know. Oh. Wow. But here's what's scary is before hearing that just just a few days ago, I had a pop up on here uh, from Facebook. The Facebook app has been letting me kind of access Facebook a little bit easier. <laughs> Pardon me. And I, I had one pop up. I didn't recognize her name, but she had four or five people in common that were from They're my grade three class. That. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, she must have been from grade yeah. three and this just isn't her maiden name. And that's now I'm like, because I, I, I let her befriend me. So uh, now I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit hesitant and a little bit afraid that we need to be a little more cautious. Because with your birth date, like this, like this, you said in the news story, with your birth date, identity theft is pretty simple. A birth date, an address, and a couple other things. You can your name, pretty much yeah. be me. Anybody. Yeah. So if you have your birth date only available to your friends, well, guess what? If you accidentally befriend somebody who you think is a real person on Facebook. Yeah. Scary stuff. Thanks for that, Eric. Uh, now I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Sorry about that, pal. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably sleep well. I'm playing hockey after this. <laughs> oh yeah, you're probably on the ice nowadays. Like I, this is oh, this is the real deal right, here in Canada. Back, uh, we've been back a month or so. Yeah. yeah. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. We have received a couple of entries of stop motion video. Oh, not a lot. I'm looking forward to this because it's a lot of work. I think. But Swiss Andy did send us their demo and said, well, this is my submission to, uh, to Category 5. Basically, uh, several shows ago, we did, uh, I did a stop motion with Hillary. Becca was here. For the, oh, was Hillary it was here. Oh, yeah. okay. And we just kind of goofed around and then said, hey, add your voices to it, and, uh, and we'll show it on the air. So this is, uh, this is what Swiss Andy had sent in. even run Linux. Over here, check out my Ubuntu. <laughs> That's where Hillary whipped me. There you Whoa. go. Be nice to your PC. Whip? Run Linux. Whip. 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 Yes. Like cool whip. Cool whip. Mark the Tri Geek uh, decided, you know what? The whole Star Trek thing didn't inspire, but I'm going to spend some time with my son. I, I believe it was son. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mark Trigeek, uh, Trigeek, um, who's seven years old and directed this video. Mark's seven and he has a son? No, Mark is, is a okay. little older. Jeez. <laughs> so this is what they came up with. They decided to use the software that we suggested and create this little animation with, uh, with their Lego. I've never seen so many Lego towers in my life, just so you know, Mark the Trigeek. Hey, I'm liking this. That's pretty cool. That's way cool. Well done. The animation. Sorry, Hillary, but this is way cool. <laughs> we were live, okay? They probably spent days doing this. We had 10 minutes. They could kick both of your <laughs> proverbial virtual butts there. Oh, dear. They just keep coming, don't they? Relentless, I think, is the... Oh, uh, yeah. That's cool stuff. Cool stuff. Or unrelenting. And not to mention, they, probably, they had to build these towers. There it is, from Mark the Trageek, and I love this. Look at that. The end. And a little wave. 
fantastic stuff. So for those two, Mark the Dry Geek, Swiss Andy, you took so much time to, to do that and send it in. I think 250 viewer points is, wow. is a, a generous offer. So if you will take that. Okay, so can we set up battles? You know, maybe Hillary versus hey, the Dry Geek? There yeah. you go. No. <laughs> Um, also, um, I got... What the heck was that? Well, this is this is a photo that came in. It says, Hello, you always have a look-alike sec- section <laughs> oh, of your no. show where people send in a photo of who they think your co-hosts uh, or you look like on the show. So here is a look-alike photo of Sir Eric Kidd. Wow, he looks pretty serious there. <laughs> He does look like Eric Kidd. No, you don't even know what's coming, friends. Ladies and gentlemen, the look-alike. <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> wow. That's well, uncanny. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to be an expert to tell the difference. <laughs> I should show my mom. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is hilarious. That That's an Eric bot. <laughs> There, there he is. Don't befriend That's, him on Facebook. Wow. That is oh, fantastic. Oh, okay. That was um, photo shoot day. I, oh, yeah. You yes. just decided to... Yeah, I, there you I go. thought oh, I'd you were in try trouble. to... Well, I keep getting told that I should try to act my age and act like more of an adult. It's not probably going to happen, but every <laughs> once in a while I try for 30 seconds or so. <laughs> if you'd like to get some high-res photos of the Category 5 crew, visit our photo gallery on our website, category5.tv. The great sound tonight is brought to you by Music Pro, <laughs> cat5.tv slash musicpro. Check them out, give them a phone call, and they will ship devices direct to you. What is Music Pro to you? I mean, you are a musician, so um, I guitars, am. guitar strings, picks. Music Pro is all kinds of things to me. Not only is it, you know, I mean, it's a great music store, yeah. you know, yeah. and I know the guys have known Ted since he mm. was, and Brian, since they were knee-high to a grasshopper, actually crawling around He's behind the music stands. Actually, oh, yeah. I used to work uh, with George, the fellow oh, really? who started that oh, store. Isn't that, yeah, isn't actually, I worked at the original Music Pro. Uh, down on Dunlop uh, Street. Yeah, down on Dunlop. But before that, I worked at the predecessor to that. It was called The Bandstand. Which and was literally just a bandstand it was in the a middle music of store, a park. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> actually, there was all kinds of that. It was back in the days of Fiza organs and stuff like that. And oh, guitars yeah. and lots of guitars and PA and stuff. But they cover all kinds of stuff now. They really do. They really, These really mics try hard to uh, there, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, look after people. They've uh, taken fantastic care of us here at the show. Uh, you know that we had some trouble with our sound in, uh, in Season 4. And Music Pro said, uh, okay, well, we're going to get that all fixed up. It took some time. They figured out the best option for us, and the sound tonight is fantastic. And they will, uh, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call. <coughs> Again, their website, cat5.tv slash musicpro, and you'll be able to give them a phone call and just say, hey, you know, do you have such and such piano? Or yeah. It doesn't even have to be that big. I mean, they have everything from lighting for DJs and uh, whatever else. So do check Actually, them out. you know, this is just a little side note here. And a, yeah. A friend of mine, another musician, and uh, i uh, done some gigs with him. He mm-hmm. had a catastrophic thing happened his house burnt down oh, no. and the folks over at music pro made sure that he had gear ready for his next gig oh, i mean they wow. just oh that's you know, so awesome and, and uh, they gave him a little bit of time to to work things out with them they were just they were really good but really good about it that's so. old school my friends um, so that's that's yeah, the way but, things uh, should be that's the way things I thought i'd share be. that one that's that's a that's a yeah they're good people over there for sure yeah 
So there we have it. That looked so they, like uh, that uh, little uh, primate. They said didn't really look like me because it didn't have the canary yellow shirt that I was wearing a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we can uh, we can throw that into the game if you like. <sighs> Monkey boy, nice. <laughs> Keep them coming, people. I, Keep I, them coming. I think I'm gonna all go to the chat room. So. You know what? You can. Uh, we'll change directions and uh, <laughs> we'll head into some viewer questions. Uh, Eric, I'll let you take that away. Uh, there's some email that have come in this week live at category5.tv if you'd like to pop us an email. I've actually got it up there for you. I you prepped do. it. Yeah, see on the left hand side there it says 15 uh, email all sorted out. There you go. I yeah, don't see it. The tab. It. It's Firefox. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. I found it. Well, he learned something today. Hey. Eric just learned how to use tabbed browsing. I like just... it's 1986. That's it. All right. So, uh, you know, over the next week, I want you to make it your duty to learn. How do you spell that? D O O T Y. I think it was okay. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Robbie and crew. This is from uh, Kevin Morithi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, It's regarding mural problems. Oh. And hi, Robbie and crew. I guess I'm crew today. Or is your crew? You could show the picture of the whole crew there. No, I guess not. Eh? Okay. So anyway, lately have not been able to download episodes using Miro. This is what changed. ClearOS was introduced in the network. That was one. Content filter turned on. That was number oh. two. Feedproxy.google.com added to exempt site list. Exempt site list has allowed me to add other sites successfully. What do I do next? Please send me an email since I cannot download or watch the shows live. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Kevo. Kevo, is this... Or is that Kevo? I think it's Kevo. Is this like a firewall issue or something? I haven't heard any other issues with with the RSS feeds. This is uh, coming to us from Nairobi. Nairobi, Kenya. Mm. Wow. Thank you for the question. Um, that's that's an issue for sure. The thing that you could try is test downloading with a different RSS feed. Um, so you can actually find them on our website. If you bring up our website, category5.tv, here it comes. When you're on our website, uh, you'll see watch the show, and you'll see RSS feeds on that. <coughs> pardon me, on that menu. So that's where you want to go. Here we go. Watch the show. Subscriptions and RSS feeds. So in Miro, if if the default one has given you a headache and it's not working for you, I would encourage you to just try one of the others. Okay, Miro is probably defaulting to the HD feed here. Okay, you could try the SD feed. Would be the next one to uh, to try, which is still. You know, uh, 854 by 480. And then there is the portable MP4. DIVX, unfortunately, is deprecated. So it will soon be coming off of the site. So what you could do is you can copy the SD one, for example, and go copy link address. <coughs> and then add that. It's in your clipboard now, right? See? So now you can add that to your Miro Internet TV. And we'll hope that that's going to start syndicating for you now. <laughs> What's up? What's up, dude? Oh, my. Oh, there we go. Okay. Sorry. Eric just discovered virtual okay. desktops. Yeah. yeah. No, I just. <laughs> oh, my, my little scroller was scrolling uh, randomly. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember the first time Becca, my wife, discovered virtual desktops. 
and she was convinced that all the work that she has done was gone. It just vanished from her screen. All of a sudden, the screen's blank. Right? <laughs> Virtual desktops, of course, being our ability in Linux to switch over to yes. another desktop. Right? So here I've got my internet browser up, but then all of a sudden, whoa, where'd it go? Everything's gone. So. You're wild, man, Robbie Ferguson. Wild. Okay, here's one from Dan. Hey, Dan. And this is regarding a minimal install update. All right. Hello, Robbie and Cat5 team. That's you. That's you. I'm the team. Dan, uh, over the past couple of weeks, he's been uh, experimenting with getting Ubuntu working on a, a micro SD card. Oh. So just to kind of fill you in, I think that's where he was at. All right. So, but no internet connection on his computer. So. Well, that's not helping. No. 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 My computer only has Wi-Fi as an internet connection. There well, it is. Okay. Connection. okay. Now it makes sense, though. My right. running system with access was on the flash card, which I wiped. Whoops. Oh. The minimal CD doesn't get to any usable point where I can alter it's at, uh, slash etc network slash interfaces or iwconfig, which mm. would give me my internet access during or after install. I assumed, as the name implies, minimal gave you just the basics to set up a system without needing an internet connection. I do have an Ubuntu 10.10 DVD from a Linux magazine. Checking out its options, I found install Ubuntu in text mode. This is most likely what I need and a trial run through proof correct. From this, you can install just a base system as long as you deselected any selected packages, such as GNOME desktop. desktop. DistroWatch warns to use the alternative mm. alternate CD instead of the desktop CD, though. How to. Getting a lean system with a custom Ubuntu install. Okay. And do you so have DistroWatch, yeah, well, I see DistroWatch has got an article that he's posting there. So, Dan, I'm going to put that in the show notes. If you're looking to do the same thing, uh, Dan has provided a link on DistroWatch yeah. to that, uh, that item. It's issue from, now it looks like it's from 2008, December 15th. So uh, what I'll do is uh, I'll post the link to that in the show notes for episode number uh, 216. So if you're interested in, in setting yeah. up a similar thing to what Dan's been working on over the past couple of weeks. It interesting to note. includes yeah. some uh, suggested additional install packages, too. Awesome. So. so you were able to get it to go. So that's fantastic. I appreciate the update. Well done, Dan. I, 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 I hope that we kind of directed you. And, and uh, that was a kind of a, a weird one. There's For also, sure. uh, he's uh, given us another link here to an alternate installer. Uh, details at Ubuntu.com. Alternate install. There's a definitely link to a good a idea. Text-based CD installer. Yeah. So GNOME desktop is almost a gig. This should give me the option to avoid GNOME altogether. And a big okay. smile. Ubuntu.com is where <coughs> where you uh, will get Ubuntu. And I apologize for my cough tonight. Yeah, you should. I was well. I was a little worried that I was gonna have trouble tonight. I've been uh, fighting it the past couple of days, but uh, I'm I'm keeping it, holding it down. Okay, so on Ubuntu.com, I've clicked on Download up at the top, okay? Let's see what we can do. Let's see. Download and install. Scroll down a little ways, and you'll see Alternate Downloads, or Alternative Downloads. And here's what you're talking about. This is what Dan is telling us. Alternate Installer Details. There it is. So that's the Alternate Installer, which is basically a text mode installer, so that you can 
do what he's suggesting is to okay. kind of nitpick and, and grab out some of the things like GNOME Desktop and be able to create a, a, your very own custom system. So that's very cool. Thanks for the update, Dan. And again, links will be in the show notes for episode number 216. Thank you. All right. Well, we have another question here. Mm. Um, I'm trying to see who, from whom. Well, I'm going to go with Voodoo Sandman. Um, oh, Leland. It's Leland. I remember Leland, hey, Leland. from yeah. a few weeks back. Mm. Greetings, technologists. Technologists. I like that. <laughs> Could you plot a solution to force Netflix to run on Ubuntu? Keep making it so, number one. Voodoo Sandman. <laughs> uh, hey, there's a pretty cool picture there. Check that out. That is NCC seventeen. Do you know what that's from? It's got to be from a movie or something. There's no way that anyone in reality is creating that. Is that from one of the original? Yeah, no, that's like a mock-up. Golly gee, it looks great. So somebody's. <laughs> that's fantastic, though. Did you do that, Leland? No way. Who who created that? That's awesome. Mm, is Leland in the chat room? Are you going to talk to us and tell us who made that? <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, Agamotto says in the chat room, Netflix is convinced that Linux doesn't exist. Exist. Unless, unless it is being paid, being paid for. for. Yeah. Which is... I don't know that it's quite true. The, the fact is... is uh, we Netflix, can't verify that. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a name to put the quote to. Um, Netflix has basically said... You know, they don't have a, a Linux working version no. because it's... it's based on Silverlight in a kind of, you know, in a post version 2 uh, version. So Silverlight is Microsoft's kind of alternative to Flash and does a whole lot of stuff. Okay. But because they based it on this, I mean, you've got to have Silverlight installed. With Linux, you used to be able to install it under, uh, under uh, Wine, but then version 2, I think it was, came out, and now it doesn't work. So you can't do it under Wine. You can't install Silverlight. You could try installing um, open alternatives, but that also doesn't work because it doesn't support DRM. And Netflix requires DRM in order for you to stream the live media. So Catch-22. So really, I think your only option is going to be virtualization. If you want to run Linux as your host operating system, you're going to have to create a virtual machine with VirtualBox, stick Windows XP in there, you probably got an old license off of an old computer, just that sticker on the side. Um, Moonlight's not going to do it for you, Invincible Mutant, because it doesn't support DRM. So, Raptor 222, just uh, expressing the same thing, that the Linux kernel doesn't support the DRM. So, that's a problem. My goodness. Yeah, so they really, you know, the choice is, you know, do they support Linux and step away from everything that their platform is, which is Silverlight, Mm. Or do they just say, ah, forget about the Linux people, which is kind of what has happened. There are petitions on the web. I don't know if they're ever going to make a difference. There's thousands and thousands of people who have requested it. You can pick up the phone. You can call Netflix and say, look, I'm a Linux user. I need Netflix on my device. Otherwise, I'm canceling my service. That might put a little checkbox that says, okay, one more person said it. Yeah. And maybe eventually they'll they'll catch wind of it. But right but now... You have to back that statement up with actually canceling your service, don't you? You really do. <laughs> you really do. 
order the service. Or you could just uh, Rumpelstiltskin says, or just not use Linux. Problem solved. Rumpelstiltskin doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I love you, but you're, 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 you're way off base there. <laughs> oh. I think hey, sign up for Netflix. Yeah, it costs money, but whatever. Eight or nine bucks yeah. a month. So it? sign up. And then call up tech support and say, I can't get it working. And explain to them that, you know, you've tried installing the software and nothing works and you can't find the links. And, and then let on that you're running Linux. And say, well, what do you mean? And everything else works. I've got Firefox installed, no problem. I go to the Firefox website and it installs. So why doesn't Netflix? Why, A couple don't of folks are wanting to know what uh, Netflix is. Well, that's, uh, oh, really? It's, it's over the internet. You Actually, you can use it with TV your, streaming. Um, your, your game machine. Your, uh, yep. Uh, like a PS3 yeah. or anything like that. Um, Xbox 360. And you buy a subscription and you get all the latest mm-hmm. movies, etc., etc., etc. Some of the open devices like the uh, Roku box, I think, supports it as well. Um, some of those, the uh, the Cube thing from D-Link. You know what I'm talking about. So all those kind of support it as well. But you can watch things like Category 5. Uh, with Netflix, you can actually rent movies. You can watch TV shows live. But it doesn't work on Linux. So virtualization is your only option right now. You're going to have to set up a virtual machine. Or as Rumpelstiltskin said. No, that's not an option. No. No. You don't want Windows to be your host. You want Windows to be a guest that allows you to run. It's the same thing as I do with Photoshop. I have CS2. And sometimes I do need it, people. I really do. Not often, but I do. So sometimes I boot up that Windows XP virtual machine only only when I need Photoshop. So you do it when you need... uh, Netflix. Make sure you have that little checkbox on in the display that says support 3D acceleration. Not 2D acceleration. 3D acceleration. So that the interface is not like... Oh. Uh, Voodoo Sandman. He found, Leland found that picture. Just oh, found yeah. it. <laughs> there it was. Just lying like, on the floor. Hey! <laughs> look at that. <laughs> All right, well, I hope we have not breached a million copyrights today. <laughs> if that photo was created by you, please let, let us know. Uh, Leland is paying the royalties tonight. So. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> it's like a $40 billion uh, thing. There yeah, that could be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody said it was a shot. Uh, the picture is a still from shooting photos for ST movie. Oh. Last. Oh, yeah. That was like Moto cool. said that. Yeah, new Star Trek movie's coming out. Very soon. Ah. very soon. Anyway, it was a cool photo. Yeah. And we, if uh, we knew who took it, we would give them credit. We'd give you credit. Supposed <laughs> to buy anonymous. It's like when you get those quote books and it's just anonymous. <laughs> well, somebody wrote it. Somebody said it. Oh, well, yeah. we're getting some really technical questions now. I said this really profound somebody thing, and I don't want anyone to know who it is. Oh, okay. Somebody yeah. want to know what kind of shampoo I'm using. <laughs> My hair is very full. We've really gone oh. down now. About that last one and a half minutes of the show, it's just... You know, it's shampoo, and I think it all stems from uh, people uh, were thinking about how you were talking about duty earlier, and so they were thinking about... What shampoo did you use? <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. It's been nice having you here. No, I Hope have not been using Robbie's shampoo. I just, uh, yeah, I just kind of wax once in a while. It's kind of coming in to keep me warm over the winter. Is that a wax job? <laughs> just right at the top. Yeah, it would grow in a bit. I just you can do the road report. Mm. Bear to center bear. Hey, D-Man. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> um, some people are wondering why uh, we're wearing poppies uh, on our chest, and that's uh, in remembrance of those who have gone to war uh, to give us the freedom that uh, that we have here in Canada and, and certainly around the world. Uh, but we are uh, uh, observing 
Remembrance Day this week uh, on November 11th. Yeah. And uh, just remembering those who have fallen in, at war and, and gone to war in order to, to provide us our freedom. And, and the poppy to us symbolizes Lest uh, we our, forget. Yeah, our appreciation uh, and our respect and our, uh, our remembering. Uh, that's, yeah. that's really, you know, summary of what it, what it means. So for those of you who are wondering and asking, good times. All right. So, just about... Uh, Oh, it does it for this week. That's it? it. Yeah, people. I hope you had fun. It's been great having you here. Nice having you here, yeah, Eric. In the it's states, they call it Veterans Day. It's Remembrance Day here in Canada. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great to be back. I uh, yeah. I enjoy getting uh, back here every once in a while. So <laughs> all the abuse I get on the chat room, and they're terrible to you. I know. I know. <laughs> well, hey, you have a good week, and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll see you soon. I'm off to hockey now, kids. Yeah. So, have a great week. Yeah. Take care. We'll see you next time. Uh, I'll see you next Tuesday. Good night.